Hello and welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and today I'm joined by Chris O'Reilly, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Wasaki. Did I say that right? Yes. Wasaki, Wisconsin. I'm still learning my Wisconsinese. <laughs> so <laughs> I've spent too many years in uh, Japan and then before that in Alabama and Iowa. So my, my Wisconsinese is sadly lacking. But um, So today we're going to talk to Pastor O'Reilly. And in a perfect world, I would have prepared a lot of good questions and we would have a lot of awesome things to talk about. But um, I just got back from a week on the road, so I have no questions. I'm just going to make it up as we go. Hope that works for you. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> so first of all, how long have you been in Wasaki? Been up in Wasaki officially about two and a half years. We used to pastor here quite a bit. I went to school a little bit north of here at Northland Baptist Bible College which then changed its name to Northland International University, which then closed. All right. So, so I met uh, Chris, let's see, how many years ago? Was it seven or eight years ago? Is that right? Oh. Um, at First Baptist Church in Kiel, where we were speaking, we were talking about discipleship, and then uh, a year or so after that, Chris came with his wife, and do you have two kids at the time? I think yeah, we had our, our two older kids, obviously. We there, and... Uh, Spend about eight weeks in Japan. Yeah, it was quite an adventure in a one-bedroom guest house with a bathroom. Yeah, well, Actually, it wasn't a one-bedroom. It was a one-room guest <laughs> yes. house that yeah. had a bathroom. So I guess it was two rooms. Yeah, it was very minimal, uh, just enough to, to technically survive, but <laughs> not much more than that. I think there was no shower there. You had to get a shower somewhere else, I think. Yeah, we had to walk over to your house. Right. <laughs> so, yes, challenges. Yeah, um, plus most of the... Room was taken up with beds because you got the futon mattresses down, so you're rolling those up each day. Yeah. Those are more comfortable than I thought they'd be. Yeah, they're not so bad. <laughs> as long as you don't have any bed bugs. Or... <laughs> yeah, that we, helps. We live in southern Japan, so you can have uh, centipedes and things like that that come across too, so it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. makes it exciting. <laughs> yeah, the first two weeks it was tough to fall asleep because I just pictured those giant centipedes either crawling across me or falling off the ceiling straight onto my face. Yeah, we've had them. I, I've heard them land like on the bed when you're sleeping, and you hear something land. You're like, I hope that was a mouse. <laughs> yeah, and it would have been better if you told us those stories at the end of our visit rather than day one. <laughs> we like to help people prepare mentally. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the disciple making challenge. Can, oh, yeah. can you control your your emotions and thoughts? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we did meet in the beginning, and we're thinking about and talking about just disciple-making and discipleship. So I guess I, that's always the thing I'm interested in and thinking about on this podcast particularly is being and making disciples. So maybe you could share a little bit of just your story, how, um, how you accepted Christ, and then maybe what it looked like for your early discipleship and people that invested in your life. Yeah, so I ended up hearing about Christ through friends in high school. I went to a public high school, and there was a friend I made on the football team my sophomore year, Ben. And Ben's family was a good Christian family. And over the course of time, as I got to know him more and more, got to go over to his family's house, and his family actually ran a Christian camp right in the middle of the state of Wisconsin. So then I was made friends with him. He had a couple of Christian friends in the school and got to know them, Nikki and Charity. And then over the 
course of time, we ended up all graduating and some were going our separate ways. They went up to Northland and I stayed and worked in a factory for a year. We stayed in touch and when they were in back, for, back in town for spring break, I got together with them on the first weekend they were back and they asked if I wanted to go to church the next Sunday. And I was working third shift, so I knew it would be tough because I'd have to get up real early. I wasn't really used to that, staying up all night and then getting home and getting to bed. But I'd always been interested in Christianity, so with no real reason to say no, I went ahead and said yes and bit the bullet. I ended up getting two or three hours of sleep and then going to church with charity. And while I was there, I ran into an old substitute teacher from school. I didn't really realize he was a Christian, but one that I really admired and enjoyed talking to. He got asking me why I came, and I said, well, because Charity invited me. And he goes, well, can I invite you back for next week? I said, well, sure, you can invite me back. <laughs> and I said, sure, I'll try and get back. So I started going back to church, hearing the gospel, listening to sermons. And this would have been the church out in Adam's friendship. The friends from high school, Ben, his family, they go to that church as well. So I, I knew a few people there. So then just took my time. They kept presenting the gospel, but I didn't want to accept Christ right off the bat because I knew it was a big commitment. I mean, mm -hmm. knowing these people and realizing the lives that they gave themselves to, it wasn't just read this prayer and then you're eternally good. It's, you know, give your life to the Lord and right. follow him and right. he will keep you. So it was really four or five months of studying. I began going to Sunday school because I want to learn more. I remember talking to uh, that, that high school teacher, Mr. Soria. He went by uh, back then. Now I know him by his first name, Enrique. And he was showing me a study Bible. And I thought, oh man, that'd be great because this Bible doesn't really make much of any sense to me. I'd forgotten until years later. I remember in those early days uh, asking Enrique questions and he ended up telling me the story after the fact, he goes, yeah, you know, when I first met Chris, it was evident how little of the Bible he knew because he was reading through Romans and he called me up and he said, who is this Abraham guy? <laughs> and I guess that took him off guard because he thought everyone knew Abraham, right. but I really knew nothing. I'm like, I don't know. So uh, he was showing me a study Bible. I thought, man, that'd be great. I'd, I'd be able to just know so many of these things I have questions because I had so many everything I read I had a question or didn't understand and I mm. wasn't going to just sit on the phone with Enrique all day every day asking him questions so he's, he go, he showed it to me and I said oh I would, I would love to get one of those where'd you get it and he goes here have this one he just handed it to me and mm. I was shocked I'm like this is such a great book you know I, I don't want to take this from you it's, mm -hmm. it's good and he goes well don't worry I have a whole box of them in my trunk <laughs> he said, yeah, I keep them for when there's someone who I think could really benefit from them. I just give them the one I'm using, then I get to use a new one. <laughs> so I thought, well, that works pretty well for both of us. So then I, I kept studying, kept reading God's word. And there was a point after three, four, five months that I just made the decision. I believe this is true. I believe Christ died for my sins and he is worthy of following. So I went ahead and made that decision at the time, I was getting ready to go to college at UW-Sheboygan, which that's a experience for a brand new believer, go to a right. public university, yep. which 
UW Sheboygan is probably not even as bad as when you start getting to some of these other bigger ones. The staff was there was really great, and I had a lot of really good conversations with them, though they were pretty much all either atheist, non-Christian, or of a different Christianity than what I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. But really challenged my faith. I remember being asked so many questions that I just had no answers to. I remember one of my professors challenging me, you know, you do believe the Bible is true, everything? And I said, yes, I believe everything's true. And well, what about when the Bible says that Gideon makes the sun stand still? You know, we know that the sun doesn't move around the earth, that the earth is actually rotating. So that's Mm -hmm. scientifically inaccurate. Well, uh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. I went and called some mentors and got some answers. And it was just time after time of that and really felt the Lord leading me to grow faster because I'm not a very self-disciplined guy. I'm very in line with my generation where we just go <laughs> with the flow and we have no self-discipline. So I thought, well, I need some discipline in this, so I'm going to have to go and get some. So I went to Northland where I was going to be taught God's word consistently and regularly and be given assignments because I can do that. I can do the school thing. Right. So I went up there and really began to grow in my faith. Neat. So how did it work in your life to where you, you got to the point you felt like God's leading you to be a pastor? Yeah, that's a long story, though I don't even know exactly where it starts. I mean, back in my earliest days, I, I really wanted to serve the Lord and wondered if maybe someday the Lord would lead me to ministry. Obviously, I knew I wasn't ready when I had just gotten saved and didn't know who Abraham was. But I wondered if someday down the road, God would put me in that position because uh, I was taking my faith very seriously and, and it was in the back of my mind. And then going up to Northland, I was never really settled on what I wanted to be. Actually, my whole life, I was never settled what I wanted to be when I grew up. And when I went to Northland, I ended up declaring for elementary education because I loved to teach and I loved working with kids. So then I did get a degree in LED and I did teach at a Christian school for four years, but just growing all along, it kept staying in the back of my mind, wondering. I ended up, since I was teaching and having summers off, I did an internship at my church, just somewhat informal, talked to the pastor and worked with me all summer. And then after that summer, I felt the Lord really wanted to give me some experience with missions because I had no experience with missions other than I had talked to some missionaries. Northland had a missions conference in which Mm -hmm. there would just be swarms of missionaries on campus. And that was always one of my favorite weeks because during that week at Northland, the dining hall really made good food because there were so (laughs) many visitors. Got to have those priorities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Other than that, it was high school cafeteria food, which is fine. I I ate high school cafeteria food. I'm not picky. (laughs) But when there's visitors on campus, uh, the school really upped upped its game, and the food was great. And I really enjoyed hearing many of the missionaries up there and going around to the tables. So wanting some experience with missions, my wife and I, we were looking to go on a short-term mission trip. We had two kids. They were... One in three when we actually went, so they wouldn't have been quite that old at the time. And we were going through what we were looking at in a missions trip. We wanted to go somewhere where we could be 
useful and do something. We wanted to go somewhere where we would also be taught, which is kind of odd. I mean, either you're going to go to do work or you're going to go be taught. But we really wanted to find something that blended that together. We really wanted to go to an English-speaking country because we figured it would be more useful and enjoy it more. We had a whole list of these types of things, which we literally made a list in the car Hmm. when we were driving to go to church in Kiel. We were going to just pop in. We had both gone there for many years. We were living up in Wapaka. So we come up with this list of the missions trip, and surprise, surprise, we get to Kiel, not knowing that there was a guest speaker missionary, Mm -hmm. and he gets up there and he starts talking about his summer internship program, which we thought was odd because we'd just been talking about this. And he starts going through what he's trying to accomplish, and he called it GRIT, God's Recruits and Training. And it's, oh, yeah, we want to be able to teach, and we also want to have them serve, and we want all these things. And it was checking off every single box, except it wasn't an English-speaking country. It was (laughs) to Japan, and that was the Smiths, uh, you and your wife, Susan. And so we talked to you and decided that we really felt led to, to join you for a summer. And it was really over there. Uh, looking at discipleship and really trying to get down to the crux of Christianity and what the Christian mission is. I remember when we were over there, one of the first questions you asked me is, what is the church or what is a church? And so we, we started from there and we started with the foundation. And during that time, I'd, when I got back home, I don't know if you ever... Re- I don't know if you know this, but I began describing you as radically biblical. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, you know, I was over with Norman Smith and he's one of the most radically biblical people I know, (laughs) which I always think sounds odd. And yet it's a a great description and it's where I want to be. I want to be radically biblical in that, you know, I'm willing to follow scripture, even if it goes against social norms, even if it goes against what I want, I want a biblical definition of the church and not an American definition or a 21st century definition. And so just with this this burden, because I do feel as a church in general, we're not radically biblical. I think we're 21st century and American in general. And I want to see us as a church get back to the Bible as everything that we would stand behind, stand for, and stand on. Mm -hmm. And so I felt the Lord during that time leading me very specifically to get into ministry. You know, you've, you've, I've been given this vision, and so the Lord wants me to use it in that way. And it wasn't a quick process. We got home. I taught for or no, I was, I was done teaching already. I had committed to go work at a quick lube for a little while that I had been working on the weekend, so I did that. I was serving out my term as deacon. So I finished that up, got a job at a factory, looked for some ministry opportunities. Nothing really what I was looking for, so I ended up going to do another internship with a friend, pastor friend of mine in Ripon, Wisconsin, uh, Josh Sherman and received more training and instruction there. And I ended up doing that for four years. We were looking all along for where the Lord would lead us. We were able to talk to some churches. Sometimes we said, this isn't right for us. Sometimes they said, no, this isn't really going to work for us. And patiently waiting on the Lord's timing about two and a half years ago, we uh, accepted a call up here. So 
terms of preparation, I mean, really specifically, we were looking at this for six years, seven years, but right. really even longer, it's been in the back of my mind. Yeah, a long time getting ready for that, that role. And it's a, if you think about it, the role of the pastor, it's a, it's, it's a critical role in the church. And sometimes I think people leave college and start pastoring, but they're not anywhere close to ready for what the role requires and don't have a biblical idea of even what a pastor is. Yeah. So it's, it is, I think it's good to have that time where you're able to process and, and get that time and experience and clarify you know, what is the church and what are we supposed to be doing and what is that, that central component of, of even life. I, I, I always go back to, you know, we're supposed to be disciples first and it takes time to develop that ourselves. And until we've got that, then we're not ready for the next step. Um, and a lot of pastors, I feel like, um, maybe struggle a little bit with some of the basics of what it be, means to be a disciple maker, but they accept responsibility for a church at 24, 25, but they're still figuring out the basics of following Jesus themselves. Yeah, and, and every step of the way, we were always thankful that we weren't in ministry yet, because since we weren't in ministry yet, we knew God hadn't put us in ministry yet. Mm-hmm. And we were also able to stay patient because we did view ourselves in ministry as a factory worker. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share Christ with those in the factory as a church attender. I wanted to be encouraged and be an encouragement in the church, which is so important to the church as a body that you need each and every member working together and not just a church where you have a pastor preaching sermons three times a week and a bunch of people who just listen to those sermons and that's a church. Mm -hmm. So we committed ourselves to ministry. Even when we didn't have the formal position, we were able to gain experience in the scriptures as well as experience in real life. I sometimes will describe my life experiences and people will be like, how old are you? Because I'll talk about so many different things. Oh, yeah, you know, I used to be in the military. Oh, you were in the military. Oh, yeah, and then I also went to college. You were in college. And then, oh, yeah, I, I taught at a school for this many years, and I did this and that and the other thing. And they are, are surprised, although I was able to layer a lot of those things. So I was right. in the National Guard, and then I was also able to go to school at the same time, and then I was able to do all these different things. So I just kept my hand in a lot of different things all at the same time. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of those experiences. So often in my sermons, I can talk about something that happened at camp or something that happened while I worked at the jelly factory or something when I worked (laughs) at the packaging powdered goods factory or at the quick lube. And so each and every one of those steps is really built towards this moment. Yeah. Whole new source of illustrations. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Well, when you think about... um, Ministry. Now that you've been a pastor here for a couple of years, what is, as you think about it, is there anything that surprised you? They think, I didn't realize it would be like this as a pastor. Well, one of the things that surprised me is how great this church has been specifically. When you hear pastors who go into ministry and they talk about their first churches or troubled churches, you always think, oh man, what am I getting into? And they talk about how Everything was so good in the interview process and everything, but then it went, it went downhill fast. But uh, this church in particular has just been so good and so supportive, realizing that I'm very new to this, mm-hmm. and so they wanted to help me in each and every way. It also surprised me just how tough it is to preach and teach week in and week out. In some ways, I miss just 
when I was in Ripon, I think I was preaching once a month, one sermon a month. And so I just got to stew and think about things all month. And now it's, all right, I got that one preached. Now I got to start turning my attention to next week's sermon and next week's Sunday school and next week men's Bible study and all these different things. So, Mm. I mean, it it really is a a grind, but in a good way. I mean, it keeps, keeps me growing in so many ways that I wasn't growing before as well. Mm-hmm. So as you think about the church here, because this is, this is small town Wisconsin. I mean, Wasaki, I saw the sign coming in. It's like 500 and something people, less than oh, 600 for you sure. consider that a small town? Uh, yeah, <laughs> very small. <laughs> it's about normal for me. <laughs> I grew up in a town of like 390, so this is a <laughs> metropolitan. Yeah, well, right now we live in a town of 900, so this is a small <laughs> town. <laughs> yeah. Glad you could condescend to our tiny town. <laughs> so, but as you think about the ministry of this church, I mean, it's not probably ever going to be a mega church. <laughs> as you think about the vision for what this church's role is in the community and how it can fill it, do you have thoughts about, you know, where do you see you and the church in five years? How does it fulfill its role of being God's, um, God's family in this time and place? Yeah, Wasaki is a very unique community. I'm surprised because it's a town of whatever it was on the sign, 400 something. But we got a major highway going through. So there's so many businesses that you wouldn't expect in a small town like this. But then it's also a interesting modgepodge of people. So we got people from all ends of the spectrum. There's been a lot of people who grew up here and are just living life here. There's been a lot of people who have left and the world's kind of chewed them up and they are coming back and just trying to get back on track. There are drugs and people who are just looking for satisfaction in the wrong, all the wrong areas. But then we also have a lot of people who like this area and so they will own a vacation house up here, the upper class, people who build a mansion as their second house or people who had come up here for vacationing their whole lives and then they retire and they think, oh, I want to live up where I enjoy relaxing. And so you've got the two ends of the spectrum and all sorts of things in between. And as a church, I mean, ultimately we just want to reach out to all those people. And we've had so many opportunities as a church to reach out to those who are hurting and struggling because they look at the things of this world and how they've really led to their destruction and have made their life worse. We've been able to have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. So we seek and strive to do that. But we also have a lot of families in our church who have kids and homeschool. So we've got that traditional Christian nucleus family group of kids who have been hearing the gospel. And so we got to keep our mind focused on them. We don't want to get so focused on the outward community. Mm-hmm that we lose focus on the inward community because that's what the church really is at its core is a community. It is a group of believers. Mm -hmm. So we are attempting to build one another up to be Christ-like, especially looking towards these kids, but also reaching out to a community that's just been destroyed and damaged by the lies of this world. Mm -hmm. Good. So I guess maybe another question for you in this kind of community, in this town, given who you are, what, does, what do you feel like success looks like for you as a pastor? Because it's not going to be that church of 5,000 people, I mean, unless you're busting them in from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could 
We could probably have the entire greater Wasaukee area here, and it still would be considered a mega church. <laughs> That's a tough question. I mean, we wrestle with that, and the easiest answer is as a church, our goal is to be influencing people towards Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. That's an easy answer to say, but it's not going to be easy to quantify or really know if you're being successful. I mean, I, I love to see attendance numbers go up, and that's not because I'm trying to build some sort of a great big church, but it is an encouragement and that we have more minds coming together, more believers that can help one another grow, more people who are possibly pre-believers who need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we love to see that. We love to see the financials go up, but that's more because as there's finances, there's more opportunities to do things with those finances. And that's all money really is, is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so we don't define ourselves by those things, though we enjoy seeing those. I'd say really my goal has just to been to try to build that community, trying to build those connections in which we are uh, getting together between services. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the church does pretty well in general on Sunday morning from 9.30 to noon mm-hmm. as an American church, but we really struggle from Sunday noon until Sunday at 9.30. Right. And so that's where mm-hmm. I feel burdened for the church to head towards is that Mm -hmm. Sunday to Sunday Christianity. Yeah, it's kind of, I I kind of think of it as the goal should be intentional, relational, and faithful. I mean, that's really the goal. And you can't always put numbers on that. There's a lot of things you can't see, but for my part, uh, for your part as a pastor, you know, we can be intentional. We know it's about the relationships, both with God, with Christ herself, with the church members, but it's also being faithful just to the little things. It's pursuing people. They don't always respond. Uh, it's preparing the right things, even though people don't always listen. But it is that being intentional, relational, and faithful. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many times here in Wasaki, we have people who are contacting me or the church looking for help. And we've had opportunities to help them. And we get to share the gospel. And they say, oh, I'm going to come visit Sunday because you helped me. Or I've been wanting to come visit you. And then you never see him again. But I still consider that a success because we made the offer and that's all we can do. Yeah, you have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ and really that's what it's about. You can't control the response, but you can, you can be faithful on your part. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, Christ came and offered salvation to the world and most of the world rejected him and yet he considers that offer a success. Yeah. And it's strange that you have the same thing here in Wasaki, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the, very much, this is a small picture of the world. I mean, it's the same kinds of people. It is, you have the families, you have the same problems, you have sin is an issue in the middle of the big city. It's a sin, sin issue uh, in the middle of a small town. So thanks for sharing with us today. And hopefully uh, God will continue to bring you success both in uh, spiritually as people grow, but also a fruit from new believers and then spiritual fruit in your own life. So, Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, if you want to send a question or have a comment, uh, you can write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. You know, the spiritual life is, uh, it's difficult. It is just being consistent over time, being intentional and relational. My prayer is that you keep running and pursuing Jesus. Have a great day.